Good morning and welcome to Central Park Baptist Church this morning. We're awful glad that you're here. Let's all stand and take our hymnal and open up to number 596. Number 596. Victory in Jesus. Number 
and that you supply our every need. Uh, but Father, I, I ask that right now we'll just hear your word and, and uh, we'll worship you through song and through uh, devotion and through yielding. And uh, I, I ask that uh, Jesus would be lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to let you have a seat there. Brother, I don't, I know I don't look the same. I lost some weight. Uh, no, Brother Yule uh, is uh, not feeling well this morning, woke up not feeling well. He, uh, normally, he does everything in his power to come, so you know he's not feeling well if he's not here today. So be, be pray, for, pray for him. And if you notice, the platform's really empty. I guess I scare everybody away when I start singing. Uh, but um, uh, Pastor is out preaching a missions conference uh, in, uh, at Hills, Hills something, Hillsborough, uh, uh, there is a church out there in Hillsborough, which is just a little south from where I live. So we kind of just trained places for the day. So be praying for him as he's preaching at missions conference this week. Let's n- turn over now to number uh, 642, number 642, number 642, ring the bells of heaven. We'll sing that first verse and the last. You may be seated. If you sing good, you can be seated in this song, all right?
sounds beautiful. Thank you so much. We want to welcome you to Central Park Baptist Church. We're awful glad that you're here today. Good to see Brother Mark back with us. He's, uh, and he's walking, amen. And he had surgery, and I saw that shiny part that they stuck in your knee there. And uh, we're awful glad that you could be with us. There's many that are here this morning we're glad to have. And if you're a first-time visitor here and you did not receive a visitor card, if you'll slip up your hand right now, our ushers will get that to you right away. And then we ask you that if you fill that out. And in the foyer, after the service, I'll be up behind the desk. It says, welcome back there. And I'll be back there, and I have a gift bag I'd like to give you in exchange for your card. Amen. We're awful glad that you're here today. We're glad that each and every one of you are here this, uh, today. And thank you for coming and being a part of Central Park Baptist Church. Pastor? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just yeah, That's how my mind works. That's, it's, a, it's a steel trap. I'm always getting caught in it. Anyway, uh, uh, we're going to time to take our offering. Amen. I hope you brought your tithes and your offerings this morning. And uh, we're going to pray and we're going to thank God for allowing us to give. And then we're going to take our offering uh, this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For allowing us to give back to you what you so kindly and wonderfully have given to us. I ask, Lord, that you use us, these funds to go to uh, meet a great need of people here in this country and around the world. Whether it be the money that we use here to reach folks uh, at, through Central Park Baptist Church here in our, our area. Or whether it be the missions money we give to reach those around the world. We thank you that you've allowed us to give and that we could give it to you because we love you. So we ask that you bless these offerings in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, come and give it right now. I think that's the longest I've sat down all morning between Sunday school and singing and now uh, preaching here in just a few moments. If you're in the Korean ministry or in children's church, if you're uh, under, fifth grade and under, you're dismissed to junior church and also the Korean ministry is dismissed at this time. Amen. All righty. Take your hymnal and open up to 291, number 291, Come and Dine. Come and dine. It's going to be interesting to find out how many mistakes I make as I do the stuff I do today, talking so much. <laughs> Let's all stand to our feet and we'll sing this, Come and Dine.
I'd be happy just to move on. I came over here so I could lower it. <laughs> Still, my soul, thy Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order. Thank you, Brother Will. What a beautiful song. Now you got to have me after something as beautiful as that. Well, here we go anyway. Uh, take your Bible, if you would, please, and open up to 2 John. 2 John. You got 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 2nd John. There's only one chapter, so open up to chapter 2. It's the only one we have. No, open up to the, to the book, and we're going to look at verse number 8 this morning. 
Verse number eight. If you, if you have found your place, if you'd stand in reverence and respect to the word of God as we read from the word of God. Second John. If you're looking for the page number, it's 1,326 in my Bible. If you have a different one, I'm sorry. You should have mine. Uh, no. um, and so Second uh, John chapter, or the only chapter, verse number 8. Are you ready? Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Now, some of those that were in the Sunday school class will understand some of what I'm going to say a little bit more than others. But I want you to notice a word here. It doesn't say that you may receive a full reward. It says that we may receive a full reward. I want to talk to you on this, a full reward. Father, thank you for this morning. I ask that you bless our pastor as he's preaching that missions conference. I ask Holy Spirit that you'd be with him, and as he speaks, you'd speak to the hearts of the people, and that they'd raise more money to be able to do more work for those on the foreign field. Missionaries have no way to raise their own money. They depend on what we supply them. So please, I ask that you'd be with that conference, and may uh, their anticipated amount be fully and completely exceeded to a higher than what they've ever done before. But I ask us now that you be with us here at Central Park. We need your help this morning. We need to hear from heaven, not from Doug Marco, or not from a man, or not from a human being, but from you. We need to go through this week as we go through it in your power and in your might. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you meet with us. Go from seat to seat, from person to person, and open our hearts and our minds to the simple fact that we'll learn from your word this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This week I've been thinking of the home going of many people, of families. All right, I've got a problem here. I'm muted. Am I unmuted? Power. There's power. Amen. There's power in the blood. There's power in the switch, too, apparently. All right. Uh, so I was thinking about the home going of many people, family, friends, church members, people who have worked in the ministry with me side by side for the last 26 years plus. Or I'm sorry, 46 years plus. People, when they die, do not go to their reward. We say that. But it's not true. When people die, they do not go to their reward. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. When Jesus comes again, we're going to have what's called the judgment seat of Christ. We talked about it today. It's the Bema seat. You're never going to find the word bema in the Bible, amen? It's a, it's a word that helps us understand. It's a theological word to help us understand what it is. But it's a judgment seat of Christ. At that judgment seat, then will our rewards be given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, it says, So let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Uh, 
Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of men's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet I am not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before its time. To the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart and then shall every man have praise of God. So when we die, we don't go to our reward. We go to heaven. Our reward is delayed. Our reward is delayed to the judgment seat of Christ for the saved people. Okay? This is not the white throne judgment. White throne judgment is for unsaved people. The judgment seat of Christ is for those who are saved. They take place at different times. All right? So, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27 says this. I promise if you pay attention for a few minutes, you're going to get what I'm talking about, and then we can really get down the road. Okay? Uh, Matthew 16, verse 27 says, For the Son of Man shall come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall... Reward every man according to his works. So why are those given, why would God give them now? We don't get them here. We don't get our reward here. We do not reap what we sow for eternity here. We do reap what we sow here. It's just not what our eternal rewards are we don't get here. Amen? We don't get them when we first get to, the, to heaven either. We get them much later. It's right between the rapture and the seven-year tribulation that we have the judgment seat of Christ take place. And the reason is this. Are you ready? The books are not closed yet. The books of your life are not closed with your death. Now, your works are closed, but the work of your life isn't complete yet. So if they went and got their reward immediately upon going to heaven, they would get an incomplete reward. And so would you and I. Because, again, the books are not closed. Let me illustrate that. My mom and dad are gone. My dad died 31 years ago. Okay? Uh, And so uh, my mom died 28, no, 29 years ago. They're in heaven as I speak right now. Their rewards are not finished yet because I'm still alive. Because I'm still alive, I'm still sowing and working and laboring, and they're still going to reap some reward from the work that I do because I'm their son. They taught me. They trained me. They helped me. They aided me to be the man that I am today. Without them, I would not be what I am today. My wife said that might have been a good thing, but uh, then again, she's got what she's got, amen? Uh, they, they, uh, they helped me, so their reward isn't complete yet because I'm not complete yet. My work isn't complete yet. So they have a reward that's not finished. Billy Sunday was a great, great evangelist in, in the history of America. Many people don't know him. He was around the, the turn of the last century, around 1900. A great evangelist had revivals all across America, literally transformed America at the time. 
My grandmother, who was born in 1899, was saved at a Billy Sunday revival in Cincinnati, Ohio, many, many years ago. Billy Sunday's rewards aren't completed yet. Why are they not completed? Because people whom he won to Christ got saved, grew in grace. Maybe some were called to preach. Maybe they led some people to Christ. And now those people are alive today, winning people to Christ now. So he's still having rewards laid upon his rewards, laid upon his rewards from one generation going back because his reward is not completed. Our rewards cannot be completed till the work down here is finished. And the work down here for the church is finished at the rapture. And that is the time in which God can say, okay, now your works are complete. The books are finished. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the rapture, let's just say the rapture was 110 years from now. If you are still reaping from things that you had sown in your lifetime when that rapture would happen 110 years later than today. Because you're still receiving rewards for what you did here in the flesh on this earth. People who are saved under uh, his preaching and other people's preaching are still serving God today. John R. Rice. John R. Rice was a great evangelist near the same time. John R. Rice died in the year 1980 at the age of 81 or 82. might have been 84. I don't remember. He's not received his full reward yet because those that he influenced and he taught how to win folks to Christ are still serving the Lord. I'm a part of John R. Rice's uh, um, rewards. John R. Rice was my mentor. I like to call him my tormentor at the time, but uh, he was my mentor. He taught me. He taught me to love souls. I talked to him once a week on a Thursday, and he, one of the first questions he'd ask is, he'd, he called it visiting. Did you go visiting this week? Uh, no, sir. I got wrapped up in these other things. And then he'd go, oh, so you want to be a preacher? but you don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. So you'd rather have folks go to hell and interrupt your day. Okay, I get it, okay? Those kind of things motivated me, and he knew that they did. He taught me about prayer. He taught me about faith. He taught me about winning folks to Christ. He... Every week we talk about what I preach because I was really an ignorant young man. I was just saved and I was pastoring this church part-time and trying to work and trying to go to college and didn't know up from down. I'd just gotten married and boy, you talk about being in a turmoil. Uh, all those things happening in your life at the same time really put you in a spin. Just getting married will put you in a spin. Anyway, um, so I, uh, I would call him every week and he'd say, what did you preach? And then I would tell him what I preached. So one day he said, so what did you preach? And in this particular week, I talked to him on a Tuesday and I told him what I preached. And he went, mm-hmm. I said, on Sunday night, I preached how Jesus didn't want to die on the cross, but he went and did it anyhow, even though he didn't want to do it. Father, take this cup from me. He said, hmm. Long 
pause. Then he said, I want you to do something for me. I said, okay. He said, will you do it? I said, I'll do it. I do everything you tell me. And he said, okay. I want you to go to the pulpit on Wednesday night. And here's what I want you to say to the people. I want you to come back this next Sunday because everything I just taught you last Sunday was wrong. If you come back this Sunday, I'll teach it to you what's right. <laughs> and he said, will you do that? I said, yes, sir. So Wednesday night, I came to the platform, came to the pulpit, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, everything I taught on Sunday night was wrong. I didn't know it was wrong. I thought it was right. But Brother Rice and I talked about it, and he told me it was wrong. I don't know what's right yet, but I'm supposed to call him tomorrow and let him know I did this. Now he's going to tell me what's the right thing. And so on Thursday when we talked, I, he said, did you do that? I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, okay, now get your pen out. And he taught me all about what the Garden of Gethsemane was about. And it was nothing like what I thought. He talked about how everything had to be met. Nothing could be missed. Everything that was prophesied about Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection had to be executed exactly as Scripture had said. And you know how easy it is for your flesh to get in the way of what you know you're supposed to do spiritually? He had that same struggle you and I have. Because why? He was in the flesh. He was human and God at the same time. Wow, what a revelation to me as a young preacher. I still have that message. Still have the notes. Still preach it. Still get up and say, ladies and gentlemen, if you come back next Sunday. No. Uh, it's just his rewards aren't complete because I'm not complete yet. So he's still reaping from the work that I do. He's still allowing God to use, or God is still using his influence in my life for his rewards still. All these things have gone before us will not, uh, and all the people that have gone before us will not receive their full reward until the judgment seat of Christ. And when, uh, when all the books are closed, the rapture's taken place and everything's done. Revelation chapter 13 in verse number 14. Revelation 13, 14. And I heard the voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit. That they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Wow, what an interesting statement there. It's not that they come right away. They're following. They come later. They don't come immediately. So they're in their rest. But the work that they still did here is still going on. Let me illustrate. Let's see. Brother David, could I use you for a second? All right. Brother, uh, uh, whoever you are, can I use you for a minute? Okay. Uh, Brother Clark, could I use you for a minute? Now I need somebody really old. Brother Ed, can I use you for a moment? <laughs> Brother Ed's near my age, so we both pick on each other. I need you down here next to Brother Clark, amen? Uh, at our age, we walk a little bit slower, fellas, so... We'll give you a few minutes to get up here. Amen. Okay, so here's, here's the generations, okay? Here's the old generation. This is the generation of today, Amen. the older generation. The old generation looks at this generation and teaches this generation. He teaches them, right? Then this generation turns to this generation 
and teaches them. Then when he's done, this generation turns to this generation and he reaches them. That is how all of life goes. If I had younger people in here, I could bring it all the way to the infant because that's how it goes. This generation's not going to be here for all of this generation. This generation's about to go out the door. Ah, sorry, you can face the forward. Um, this generation won't be here for all of this generation. But he will be here for most of this generation. This guy and this guy will know each other for a little bit. I'm not sure David even knows who Ed is. No offense. I don't want to know who Ed is. No. Uh, <laughs> He's going to get even. It's going to happen. Uh, but uh, the truth is, is that because this is going to pass off the scene, if you go have a seat for me, these guys have got to continue on. And they've got to continue on with the same truth that this generation had, but is not here anymore to give to us. And then one day, this guy's going to get old. All of his hair is going to fall out and turn gray. What's left? Amen? Amen. And then he's going to pass on. And this generation has to have what this generation had plus what this generation had. Because yeah. if he doesn't have this and he doesn't have this, then everything's going to be built on this generation. And we already know where this generation's at. Amen? We were all like that at this age. Dear Lord, I thank God so much that he changed me after I was this age. Amen? And then I grew, and then I grew, and I grew. How did I grow? Because that older generation influenced that generation that influenced my generation. Amen? Amen. You may go be seated. Then we come down to this generation. And we don't know anything about this generation yet. They're just coming around. They're just starting. They're just getting on the road, just getting their driver's license, so you better hide. Um, this is just the beginning of this generation. They don't even know what their future begins to hold yet. They may not even know at this age what in the world they ever want to even do in life. But if this generation doesn't have everything from this generation and everything from this generation, and everything from this generation, then they will never do anything at all. So we need each other. This is how the rewards are built. Even though they're gone, he holds in his hands the reward of this generation, of this generation, and of this generation. And if he does not use what is in his hands for these generations, they will lose part of their reward because he holds it in his hand. Thank you very much, David. You may be seated. That's how the system works. That's how God's ordained it to, to, to work. Let me illustrate it in a different way. When I was younger, much younger, much younger than before. And uh, when I was very young, I ran track. I like to run. Now I hobble. Uh, but I, I used to like to run. I, I ran track and field. I, I did all sorts of things in there. And I used to run what's called, what was called back then the mile relay. Now today I think it's called the 4 by 400 re- relay. Okay. 
My, I was the fastest guy on our track team. And, and I was quick. I would get from here to here and about, oh, that long. And, um, but I, I, I really was quick. I was fast. And so they made me the anchor of the team. So here's how a mile relay or a 4 by 400 relay race takes place. At the starting line, there's a number of people lined up, each belonging to a separate team. Each person has a baton in their hand. Let's see, I thought about a baton earlier, but all right, well, this is the closest thing I got to a baton. So I got a baton here. This baton has to go through every one of the people and end up at the end of the race. If this does not make it to the end of the race, you get disqualified. So they stand up. They don't get in, in in a starting position. They stand and they say, on your mark, get set. Bang! And the guys with the baton start running. I think it's one lap around the track. At least that's what it was when I was young. So you're running as fast as you can. It's called a sprint. But if you've ever run 440 yards, it's not a sprint. It's a run. If you're like me, you're going to kick at the end. Because if you kick at the beginning, you ain't got nothing left at the end. Kick means to give it all all your strength that you have. So... He's running, and while he's running, he, uh, the, he, he moves down the track. Another person gets in the track in his lane, and what he's doing is he's looking over his shoulder. He's waiting for that runner to make it all the way around the track, and then he starts to run a little bit, and as they run, they hand off the baton. Actually, you put your hand back like this, and they're supposed to slap it in your hand, and the reason they're going to slap it in your hand is you want to know it's there. Because if you drop it, you got to go back and pick it up. And you just lost time. Amen? So they would slap it in the next runner's hand. The next runner's hand, he's running, he's running, he's running, he's running. Uh, Oh, maybe maybe the first guy ran, won his his section of the race. But the race isn't over. He's not a winner yet. Because the race hasn't finished. He's now depending on runner number two. Maybe runner number two trips and falls and goes bang and gets back up and he continues to run. Because if he quit, everybody loses on the team. And so he, maybe he trips and he falls and he gets back up and he continues to run. And maybe he didn't win his section, but he did as best he could. And then he goes to the third man and he's running. He's got his baton out here and the third guy got his hand out like this. And they tell you not to look. But I don't know how you don't look. You're supposed to feel that baton. Your job is to just grab it when you feel it, not to look for it. I was never really good at that. I was kind of always looking. And then smack, it goes into his hand. Boom, and he takes off. And he's running. He's running his lap. He's running his time. He's, running, he's doing his part of the job. He's going to give everything he has because he knows that if he doesn't give everything he has, we can't make up for what little lost time we had when number two fell. See, it's a race for the whole team. It's just not just a race for that one person. It's a race for everybody on that team. And boy, he's giving it everything he's got. And they're in second place now. And here comes the anchor fella. And he sees number three coming. He's got that baton out front. And I don't know about you. 
I, was, I didn't do the other ones very often. Maybe once or twice in my life did I ever smack a baton into somebody's hand. I was always the last guy. And every time I did that, I was like, <laughs> trying to get him to the finish line. I can't breathe, you know, trying to get that baton in his hand and have enough impact left to put it in there with a slap. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then I would fall because he would take off running. I was number four, and there, boom, in my hand. And my job now is to remember I'm not running for Doug Marco. I'm running for my teammates. I'm running for the guy who came first in his lap, who was the number one guy, and without him, I couldn't be where I'm at in that field. And I'm running for that guy in number two spot who feels like he blew the whole thing, but he only fell for a moment. And he got back up and he finished his part of the race. I'm running for him to be able to get the same reward. Even though he fell. But he got up. I'm running for that guy in number three. Who ran as hard as he could run. When by the time he got to me he's gasping for air. He slaps that baton in my hand. And he passes out on the track. I don't really care. I ain't got to run there. My job is to run around the track and come to the finish line. Amen. My job is to give everything I have to concentrate. Oh, look at that pretty bird out there. I'm not thinking about birds. I'm not thinking about the people in the crowd. You know why? I can't hear them. Right. I'm concentrating. I'm concentrating on doing one thing, finishing the race. They're depending on me. It's, I'm the difference between first, second, third, or didn't uh, qualify. Just me. And by the way, there's somebody in your life that's waiting on you too. They handed you the baton. They slapped it in your hands. They've given you everything you have, and they can no longer do anything. They're in heaven. They're with the Lord. Or maybe they're, in, uh, they're ill and they can't do anything. I think of my pastor, Lucas, the man who led me to Christ. I think of the man who, who was at the altar with me and prayed with me. And then he, he, he counseled me every day. I would go to him every day and I'd say, this is what I learned from the word of God. And he said, okay, you teach me about the Catholics. I'll teach you about the Baptists. I said, it's a deal. I don't think I taught him anything, but he taught me a whole lot. He performed our wedding ceremony. He, he baptized me. He's been a friend of ours, our whole ministry. He is under his ministry that I surrendered to preach. He's still alive in a nursing home who's had a major stroke and can't do it anymore. And he's depending on me to finish strong because I hold in my hands his reward, his baton. It's in my hands. And you're holding somebody's future rewards in your hand. Maybe you're back here and you're number three in the race. And there's a generation coming in front of you. But you've got to give your best because number four is going to be dependent on you in the future. Just like those in your past have depended on you and you depended on them. 
They got you to where you're at. Now you can't give up. Now you can't quit. Why? Because that number four fellow, that, that anchor, he's dependent on you to give your best. Number two is dependent on you. Number one's dependent on you. The whole team is depending on you. So it doesn't matter what stage of the race that you're in. Those who came before you and came before me, they're waiting for you to finish your race strong. Because that's what makes a difference not only for you, but for them as well. Because you hold in your hand their, their, their rewards. I'll use another example about my dad. My dad's in heaven right now. I said before he gave me birth, he trained me. My dad sacrificed for me. He taught me. He taught me character. He taught me to work hard. He taught me not to quit, never to give up. He taught me that at all times to do right. Now he's gone. He's expecting me to take the tools that he gave me and add to that and continue down my race. But wait a minute now. My race is still going on, but somebody else's race is still going on too. My dad's race is still going on through me, but I have a son. His name is Doug Jr. He's part of my reward. He's part of my wife's reward. My wife led him to Christ. All I ever did was be there as a dad. I taught him soul winning. The first time he ever went went out and won a soul to Christ, I was with him. He's part of my team. He's out there running in front right now. He's laboring. He's working. He's running. And I don't want him to stumble. I don't want him to fall. I don't want him to give up. I don't want him to quit. Why? Because he holds in in his hand part of my dad's reward, part of my mom's reward, part of my reward, part of his reward. But that's not all. I got a grandson named Dougie Jr., Dougie the Thoy, 33 and a third. We don't have much of us, but there's a third of us. And uh, 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 Dougie, his job now is to learn from his dad. So that one day as his race breaks out, I think he's 12, 13 years old right now, 12, 13. He's he's a teenager. Dear Lord, help my son. Um, And uh, he's a teenager. And one day he's going to pick up that baton from his dad. I don't know what that baton is. That's not my decision to make. That's between him and God. But whatever it is, he will be holding in his hands part of my reward, part of his mom's and dad's reward, part of my mom and dad's reward. And actually part of my grandmother's reward. My grandmother was a very interesting person. She, uh, my grandmother used to make bathtub liquor in Cleveland, Ohio during Prohibition. Uh, y'all have heard of, uh, what's this, now I forget his name, Elliot Ness. Yeah, my grandmother slapped him when they tried to bust her family for the liquor in their house. She tried to keep them posted out while they pulled the plug to get the liquor to run out of the tub, literally in the tub. My grandmother was very unique. But my grandmother got saved at a Billy Sunday revival. I remember when I got saved, I went home and I told her about it. 
And she said, uh, I said, Grandma, if you die today, you know for sure you go to heaven? She said, I do. And I said, you do? She said, yes. And then she told me. She told me how a friend of hers had, uh, had taken, they decided to go to hear Billy Sunday preach. And so they went to hear him preach. And at the service, my grandmother got under conviction by the Holy Spirit. And she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. They spent a few days down there, came back to Ac- or Cleveland area, and did what they did. And my grandmother said this to me, Doug, I never did anything with my salvation. I know I'm going to heaven, but I never taught it to my children. In fact, if it wasn't for you telling me about your salvation, I wouldn't even be telling you this. I have done absolutely zero with what God has given me. She said, one day, you're going to do my funeral. You're the only preacher in the family. They got to choose somebody. (laughs) I'm not a Catholic, so they'll just choose you because they think you're a Protestant. (laughs) And I said, okay, Grandma. She said, I want you to tell people about the day I got saved. And she told it to me. I said, okay, I will. As my grandmother continued to age, she got dementia. And she couldn't remember much. Finally, at a point in time, my mother and my aunts and uncles put her in a nursing home. And then uh, every time I'd go home, my wife would tell you, we always stopped to see my grandma. Always. Even if I didn't stop to see my parents for some reason, I always stopped to see my grandma. And when I'd walk in, she'd go, oh, there he is. That's my preacher boy. She didn't know anybody's name. She didn't know anything about anyone, but she knew that God had given her a preacher boy. Because I remember when I told her that I got saved and that God had called me to preach, she goes, oh, God gave me a preacher boy. God gave me a preacher boy. Oh, God gave me a preacher boy. And she came up to me and she, she, uh, she took my head in her hands like this and she said, don't ever quit. Don't you ever quit. Don't let my preacher boy ever quit. Don't you quit, you hear me? Don't you ever quit. I said, okay, Grandma, I'll not quit. I promise I'll not quit. You'd see her in a nursing home when I take my grandkids, her her great-grandchildren to see her. I'd take my kids and they'd go in and sit with her. And there's two things she remembered all of life, just two. She knew that God had given her a preacher boy and she'd always say, don't you quit. And she could sing, Jesus loves me. And that's all she knew. What a wonderful memory to to have. Jesus loves me. This I know. So when she passed away, I got a phone call. And I said, okay, I'll come preach grandma's funeral. I preached the funeral. In the funeral, I told her story just as she had told it to me. I told how she got saved, how she didn't do anything with it, how she wanted all of them to know that they could not see her again unless they too had received Jesus Christ as Savior. And 25 of my relatives, including my mom and dad, received Christ as their Savior that that day at that funeral. I say 25 because I lost count at that point. I have an Uncle Al... He tried to avoid me. <laughs> Uncle Al knew that if, he, if I cornered him, he'd get that gospel message and he didn't want it. Sure enough, at, he had gotten saved. 
at the service. I carry for her her reward. My son carries for her her reward. My grandson carries for her her reward. I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. I don't want to turn back. I want to give every bit of energy I have, every bit of strength I have. I want to do, keep going and keep going and keep going to the day the Lord calls me home. Why? Because I carry for others their reward. Who has influenced you? Whose reward are you holding in your hands today? Who is it that's depending on you to finish the race strong? Who is it that handed you that baton and now you hold it firmly in your hands and you're trying to finish that race so that they too can get a reward? Who is it that sacrificed for you and gave for you and paid everything that needed to be paid so that you could be where you're at today. Who gave and gave and gave and gave so you could be where you're at. You're holding in their hands, your hands, their reward. So who's depending on you today? Someone is. Will you finish the race? Will you give your very best? to give everything to Christ and his power so that when it's all done and we're all in heaven together and a rapture has occurred and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air and we're all together with Jesus in the air. I can look at those and you can look at those whose reward you are holding in your hand and you can honestly say to them eyeball to eyeball, I gave my best for you. I gave my best for you. Father, thank you for what we've learned today. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you do what I cannot do and convince and convict us of our need to be closer to you. I ask, Lord, if there's someone here under the sound of my voice that does not know you as Savior, I ask that today would be the day that they'd receive you as Savior. So please, Lord, if there's someone that's lost today, do what must be done in their heart and in their life that they would receive you as Savior. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around, how many say tonight or today, Brother Marco, pray for me. I know I'm holding some people's rewards in my hands and I need to finish strong. Brother Marco, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up, hold it up nice and high just for a moment? And then slip it down. Thank you. You may put your hands down. How many say today, Brother Marco, if I died right now, I know I'd go straight to heaven. I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know heaven is my home. And I'd like to raise my hand of testimony to the fact that I have received Christ as my Savior. Would you slip your hand up, hold it up just for a moment, then slip it down. Is there anyone here this morning that could say, Brother Marco, if I died right now, I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. I know I don't want to go to hell. Brother Marco, would you pray for me that I would not go to hell, but that I would go to heaven, that I would be saved? Brother Marco, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up that I might pray for you? Anybody like that this morning? Anyone? 
Thank you. Father, you've seen the hands of your people and you know our hearts. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd have your way in our hearts and our lives and cause us to honestly, thoroughly think and look at our lives and ask ourselves the question, are we doing our very best for those who came before us and for those that are following after us? I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to do our very best to look at our life and to give everything we have for you, for your work, and for those who love us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet as the music plays.